You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I hope you all had a wonderful, safe Thanksgiving with your friends or your family, whoever you spent it with. Uh, my apologies for not putting an episode out last week. Uh, there was just so much commotion going on in my own life. Uh, that that Wednesday, I had a lot to do for my other podcast, uh, Fan Speculation, which go check out that episode that dropped uh, yes, uh, yesterday at the time of this recording. Um, uh, I had to do that episode on my own. Uh, I had to watch Hawkeye on on Disney Plus. I had a sick girlfriend who was dealing with her her COVID booster shot, and I was taking care of her. And I had so much to do. And I usually record these episodes on Thursday nights on Thanksgiving, and I got back home late, and I was just too damn tired to do an episode. So that's my reasoning as to why we didn't have an episode last week but we are back this week and we have so much to talk about okay so uh, we're gonna try and cover mostly that happened stuff that happened this week on on uh, on wrestling television uh, a lot to get into so uh, first and foremost I want to start with this bit of news here because um, it's the most interesting to me and I've been talking about it for quite some time. Uh, that we are going to be ha- uh, the, with the contract statuses of uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Gargano, and one Tommaso Ciampa with some new news. Uh, with those guys in question from being in NXT, we'll also be doing I'll be doing some predictions for NXT War Games, not Takeover War Games. Unfortunately, the Takeover name is long and gone and dead. Unfortunately, which in the future be on the lookout because I'm going to be doing my list of the top ten greatest NXT Takeover matches for the podcast i've been i've been watching some of my favorite uh nxt takeover matches uh in the past few weeks i've been re-watching them just reliving the moments i felt watching those matches uh it's it's going to be a great list and um hopefully your favorite will be on there but let's get into these uh the 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 contract status of these three wrestlers in question so according to fightful uh uh, via sean ross sap who are reporting on this that kylo o'reilly According to this, he has yet uh, WWE has been making offers to him, but he has not signed a contract yet. Uh, if I read correctly, yes, Kyle O'Reilly he is passing on the latest offers given to him by WWE, according to Sean Ross Sapp. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa's contract was set to expire quite uh, very soon, actually, but they extended the time due to his injuries in the past. Uh, considering Champa was out for a while when he tore his ACL in that tag team ladder match with him and Johnny Gargano against AOP uh, at TakeOver Chicago. And obviously he was out for quite some time when he uh, had to get neck surgery when he had dropped uh, to vacate the NXT title, um, uh, which was going to be the eventual build-up and blow-off to the Gargano-Champa storyline. And speaking of Gargano, uh, he has yet to make a decision on what he wants to do. His contract was technically supposed to, is technically supposed to expire today at the release of this podcast. 
Um, but he had signed an, a one-week extension uh, to make it to take to. I almost said Takeover War Games. I'm just so used to the Takeover name being there. To NXT War Games for this Sunday, and um, it's it's very interesting as to see what's going to happen. Uh, I I there's there's a lot uh, with these three guys in question. You know, these three guys are are cornerstones of, of NXT. You know, they're there. They help build the brand uh, to what they are and what and they identified uh, these guys. A lot of these uh, people have come into NXT, you know, Gargano and Champa being two of them. And then, you know, Kyle O'Reilly with the Undisputed Era in another. Uh, it's there's so much that they've done to help build the brand. And now with the with the NXT brand more or less focused on um, younger wrestlers and guys like, you know, Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes, um, just to name a few, uh, you know, along with uh, Joe Gacy, uh, you know, and there's a lot going on. And it seems like with Vince and Bruce Pritchard being at more of the uh, uh, of in, in creative control here, more of running the uh, steering the ship, so to speak, um, it's more likely that they will be okay by the time the main roster comes, when they go to the main roster. And that's when NXT is becoming a developmental show again. Um, but I can't say the same for guys like Johnny Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly. Maybe Tommaso Ciampa would do okay. Maybe. But I just don't know if I see him doing well on the main roster. I mean... Out of all those guys, I feel like Champa has the potential to go the farthest. You know, he's certainly bigger than Gargano and uh, and Kyle O'Reilly, but I just I just don't know. I really don't. You, you and you really don't know this one. I mean, a guy like Keith Lee wasn't able to uh, be a, a huge main event level star on on Raw, and they released him not too long ago. So what does that tell you that they don't know what the fuck they're doing? Um. I would. I mean, it's got. It's clear as day now. Kyle O'Reilly is going to. He's leaving the company. You know, I think his con. His contract is up soon. His contract is up this month. So he's probably going to finish out War Games, and that's it. See you later, Kyle. Probably. You know, and then we could probably see him on AEW television <laughs> as soon as this coming Wednesday. You know, get an undisputed era uh, reunion uh, coming in, or something, or or a Red Dragon reunion, something. You know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Johnny Gargano, I think, could benefit very much from a uh, from an uh, from an AEW uh, run. You know, going over there, or just just something. I just don't see him staying in WWE when he's literally done everything he possibly could do in NXT and for the NXT that he helped built. I don't think there's much room. For uh, for for Johnny Gargano in NXT 2.0, I, I I don't think I don't know where he fits on the main roster. And this is not to say that guys like Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly or Tommaso Ciampa can't do well on the main roster either, because it, with the proper booking and the the right amount of people and the, and the smarter heads prevailing, all three of these guys could do really well on the main roster. All three of them. There's no reason why they shouldn't with their wrestling ability alone. And you package them with the right character and the right motivation. Like, you, you can just have them be make you money, you, you know? <laughs> I, it's, uh, it, it makes me happy to see that if these guys indeed do go, then we can just 
have them in other promotions, you know? AEW doesn't have to be the place necessarily where they go. You know, there's Impact Wrestling. GCW is, like, like on the verge of being, like, the big third brand at this point. Uh, you know, New Japan America, I guess, uh, is another one. You know, there's a lot you can do with these guys. But my personal opinion, I think all of them should leave. I think Tommaso Ciampa, when his contract is up, it didn't necessarily say how long his time was extended. Um, I, I can't think off the top of my head how long he was out for. I want to say when it came to the neck injury, he was out in April of 2019, and then he came back, I think, in September later that year. So uh, May, June, July, August, and that's five months there. Uh, and then he was out for a while with his ACL. I think it was in 2017 in May. And then he didn't come back until January of 2018. So uh, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January. That's another eight months. And um, that's about eight eight months one time, five months the other. That, yeah, that's about another year on Champa's contract. That's like 13 months. So, yeah, he... He probably wouldn't be able to leave the company until like, uh, like January of 2023. Like is probably when his contract would be up, and who the hell knows at that point? I mean, hell, WWE could could release him at any time, and you know, no, you know, 30 or 90 no non compete depending on what what brand he's on. But um, yeah, I would think that um, the it's. You know, it's really shitty, you know, when they do things like that. They, they did it to Brody Lee, Luke Harper, WWE. You know, like, he, he wanted out for so long, and they weren't going to use him. So, he's like, all right, if I don't want to, if I'm not going to be used, I want to leave. And they made it difficult for him, and they're just like, well, no, you, you still owe us this time. Like, if you're not going to use me, why are you, like, why why are you even paying me if you're not going to use me? It was, it, you know, it, it, they're weird like that. It's just, they don't like to see other wrestlers go to other promotions uh, they, they, they signed all these wrestlers because they signed them for the, ha- the sake of signing them and not even really using them. Um, I, I, I just truly believe that Gargano and O'Reilly are AEW bound very, very soon. I think once, uh, once they're done, we could easily see them show up on Wednesday coming up in Long Island very soon. I, I think that, I think that is what we're going to see. And, um, it's a shame because again, these guys could be huge stars in the main roster. They could be really, really great. They could be really great there, but they're not allowed to be. You know, it's like WWE. They they choose who they want to get over, and then that's how it is. It's like if you're not in our plans to get over, then you're not going to get over, and we're going to make sure you don't get over. You are this person in this company. You're a you are a mid carder. You are a jobber. You are just close to the main event, but you're not in the main event. It's like they choose what's for you. And then boom, you're you're done. Um, which is a shame because whatever happened to listening to the crowd, hearing who you who's who's over, who you're gonna make money with, that's how wrestling was done. And nowadays it's just not done that way. And it's it's ridiculous, honestly. Um, going into keeping on the NXT topic here, uh, Beth Phoenix has announced that this Sunday will be her last 
um, her last appearance for NXT. She put uh, she put out this statement saying, "Ahead of War Games, I wanted to share that this Sunday will be my final night in NXT. While I remain a part of WWE, I had made the choice to step away from the weekly broadcast booth to spend more time with my family. This was not an easy decision, as I have loved my three plus years and 150 uh, 135 episodes with NXT, and I and." And I am incredibly proud of the brand. I will forever be grateful for Vic Joseph, Wade Barrett, Nigel McGuinness, Tom Phillips, Mauro Ranallo, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Michael Cole, and my entire NXT family, both in and out of the ring out of the ring for the amazing opportunity. NXT will always be a part of me, and Auntie Betty will always be a part of NXT. Leave the porch light on for me. That's you know, that's very it's a that's very sad. You know, that that uh, Beth Phoenix leaving the commentary table. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed her commentary. It took some time for her to kind of get used to it, but she was very good at the commentary booth, and this Sunday will be her last uh, time on uh, commentary, so let's see what happens. She, she says that she still remains with a part of WWE, so maybe she's on a Legends deal. Maybe she's an ambassador type. I mean, Edge is still signed to the company uh so maybe they uh you know they'll keep her uh, you know they'll keep her some do some things but i get like she said she wants to spend time with her family she has uh two little girls at home so who knows maybe it's the fact you know that she's out on the road all the time and edge is out on the road sometimes she's not out on the road all the time it could be a lot of things but respect to beth phoenix um you know she was a big reason as to why that gargano and you know uh, indy hartwell uh uh, what should we call it? Dexter Loomis, uh, story was going so well, you know, while, while, like, you know, a lot, everyone's like, oh, I love it, and then Wade Barrett's like, like, are you crazy? He is, um, he is an absolute psychopath. Why are you condoning this, Beth? Like, <laughs> it was, I, I love that little, the banter that she do. Um, I, I'll, I will miss, uh, Beth Phoenix, but you know what? I don't, I've never been crazy about three-man commentary booths. I, I don't know why. Uh, I, I've just always preferred two, and I think uh, Vic Joseph and Wade Barrett can get along just great on their own with, um, you know, on the commentary team. I think they do, they would do fine together. I think Wade Barrett's great commentary. I think Vic Joseph's great commentary as well. So just just let them be. Let them do what they want to do. Um, sad to see let, uh, Beth Phoenix leave, but ultimately it'll still be fun to see where she ends up, uh, how she's going to, you know, take care of everything, and I'm sure it's the last we'll ever see of Beth Phoenix, you know, there's there's so much to see of her, and like she said, she'll still be a part of the, of the, of the WWE family, so to speak, well, even though their family is, you know, releasing all your wrestlers every other fucking month, sure, that's a fucking family, anyway, moving on, moving on, moving on, what do we have here, so Ric Flair is taking some shots at, uh, at Seth Rollins this week on his podcast. For those of you who may not remember or don't know, and I didn't report on it last week because I wasn't doing a podcast, as you already know. So, um, Ric Flair had some choice words about Seth Rollins, who was attacked by a fan last week. And um, if you if you if you don't know, if you've been living under a rock, Seth Rollins when the Monday Night Raw was in the Barclays Center last week. Um, he was charged and tackled by uh, by a fan, um, 
and you know he when the he tackled Seth uh, Seth got him in a in a in a in a, in a guillotine hole choke hold and then he kind of maneuvered them so the referees and the security can get uh, get uh, take care of everything you know he kind of cursed at him a little bit um, but that fan came charging out of nowhere it was later discovered that apparently the fan was trolled by a Seth Rollins Stan account uh, stalker fan account for those of you who don't know uh, and the fan himself. Went to pri- uh, went to jail for the night and claims that he was booked by Vince McMahon and Goldberg, and that he did it f- that him and Colby Lopez using Seth's shoot name uh, had beef and he wanted to squash that beef with him and that he wanted to thank Vince McMahon, thank uh, Goldberg, thank the universe, and that he did it for his cousin The Rock for Rikishi, like for the bloodline for the family. I'm like. Okay, okay. This this kid is um he's not okay inside his head, okay? Yeah. So um you know, and I think Seth Rollins was asked, you know, that he someone asked him what how did he feel and he said that he felt terrified. Well, Ric Flair apparently thinks that that's the wrong thing to do coming from the old generation. Ric Flair said uh during his latest uh his, his latest episode of the two-time pod Two-time Hall of Famer discussed the recent attack on Seth Rollins by a fan. Reading the article here by WF Old School, Flair wasn't happy with how Rollins said during the interview with TMZ that the attack was terrifying. Here's what the Nature Boy had to say: In all fairness, I could say a lot of cute things, but I'm not going to. Every time I say something, I have to involve other people, and they have to endure the consequences. So I'm just going to say this: I've seen that happen, but I've never seen it happen where I can recall the mark the fan clearly was getting the better of the individual. Individual. My problem with Seth is that if you're a top guy in this business and you're and you know anything about psychology of what the fans think and feel, which they really do, you never and my computer like fucked with me uh, is uh, is uh, fans, which you really do. You never, ever, ever get off an airplane in L.A. and say I was terrified. Terrified of what? Terrified of being terrifying is being in an airplane crash. Referring to when Ric Flair was in an airplane crash, you were terrified of, terrified or horrified by a wrestling fan. Come on, man! What have I, what I would have done if I was Seth? Which everybody should learn from this is that even if this refer, if the referees had him, I would have jumped back on him. Even if I, even if I never got a shot at him. I know your answer is going to be, well, there's a lawsuit and all that. WWE would have covered the lawsuit. Seth never would have got to him. If you're a heel, you never admit defeat. You just don't do it. Do you think I've ever beaten anybody? I've beat never. Uh, I've <laughs> sorry. Do you think I've ever beaten anybody? No. But in the minds of the people, I didn't lose because I I kept lying about. Uh, even though it was a work, you never admit you got your ass kicked, much less horrified or terrified. Please, you got to be tough in the business. Even today, these ki- these kids are tough. I'll tell you right now, I can't help but bring in Ashley Charlotte and kick anybody's ass. Second generation kids taught me to be tough. Roman Reigns, Usos, I'm such a fan of those kids. That had to be really tough and just survive life. If you're been real, been a real athlete and really. A, uh, compete at a tough level. You're tough. You're mentally tough. You're physically tough, and you've uh, own, uh, owned, uh, honed, and trained. If that same, if the same thing happened, to Ashley, hypothetically, I don't know if the guy could ever have taken down Ashley down. She's she's tough, man. You don't think Tamina's tough or Nia Jax or Natty Nightheart? Are you kidding me? They came up in families where you had to be tough. So 
Ric Flair is pretty much shitting on the fact that Seth Rollins was terrified in that moment. This is this is an example of the older generation shitting on the younger generations. Like, oh, back in my day, if I would have beaten the shit out of him, and Art Anderson would have pulled out his clock and shot him. Uh, like, that's that's an old school mentality of thinking. Like, I understand where Ric Flair is coming from, but at the same time, with a lot of terrible things that happen today, you know, with just 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 here in the U.S., there was another there was a school shooting, and it was terrible. It was it was disgusting. And it's sad, you know, that fan, you know, let's be thankful for Seth Rollins' sake that that's the worst that happened to him, that he got tackled by a fan, he got caught off guard. What if that fan was running and he had a gun? What what if, or he had some kind of concealed weapon, like something, you know? Like I know they have metal detectors at, at uh, at the arena, I know they have all that, but a lot of that stuff can be easily hidden. Look at the Ariana Grande concert that happened a few, like, I don't know, maybe like four or five years ago back in the UK where there was like, I think there was like a, it was like a bombing or someone, like someone got a gun in the arena and was shooting people. So it can happen. So what if that fan had a gun? What if that fan had a knife or something and hurt Seth Rollins more than he actually did? So I understand where he's coming from. And I think a lot of us can understand where he's coming from saying like, it's terrifying. Yes, it's terrifying because in that split moment, you don't know what's going on. You don't know. Luckily, all the fan did was tackle him. But I think Ric Flair, again, he comes from a, from a place where he could have just gone over to the fan and beat the living shit out of him. There's a video of Seth uh, of Seth Rollins, of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H at a house show in like the late 90s, early 2000s. I want to say it's probably early 2000s. Um, where uh, Austin and, and, and uh, Triple H are at a house show and they're wrestling a match and a fan comes in and starts beating the shit out of Austin. Triple H comes in, beats the fuck out of, out of, out of this fan. And then... Passed him over to, I think, Mike Kyoto was referee, and he's beating the shit out of him, getting him involved in security. So even back then, going that, not too far, but that far, you can get away with things like that. You can't get away with things like that. Now, I guarantee you, there definitely would have been lawsuits had Seth Rollins gotten involved. There, the, the situation was handled the best way it possibly could have been. Seth Rollins got him in a chokehold. When he tackled, when the kid tackled him down, he pawned him off to security, well, not pawned him, he passed him off to referees and security, and the security and the referees did their job when the fan infiltrated. Now, security should have been doing their jobs better than let this fucking guy get onto the ramp to tackle Seth Rollins in the first place, but at the same time, like, it's fine. Look, at the end of the day, Seth Rollins is safe. He's okay. Nothing nothing too serious happened. If anything, he just got the wind knocked out of him because the kid came out of fucking nowhere. And I really don't fucking get all these, you know, these old school wrestlers like, like, shitting on this thing because Chavo Guerrero was saying something like this like oh I remember when wrestlers were tougher than the fans and then he kind of gave an apology without really giving an apology saying something like I mean no disrespect to to Seth Rollins blah 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 he's getting a lot of heat and flack for it but pretty much says I remember when wrestlers were really really tough it's and it's, it goes back to the thing when Undertaker was on Joe Rogan's podcast saying like oh back in uh, back when men were men they weren't around playing video games or what have you you know back when there was drugs and 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 guns and the were and knives and men were men. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Guns and knives and and drugs. Ooh, yeah, men were men. Like it's a different fucking mentality of the business. Like 
the wrestlers today are completely different from the wrestlers of maybe not completely, but a lot. It's a big generational gap, and and there's you've probably heard it before where some wrestlers of that mindset like to think that that's the reason why the product is bad. No, it's not the reason why the product is bad. The product is bad because the the people who are running the company in WWE that for that instance, they're not competent in making good wrestling storylines and building the pay per views. I mean. Look at what they did with Survivor Series. Survivor Series was a terribly built pay-per-view. Horrible. It was not built properly at all. It's like they almost it's, they pretty much forgot about it. They announced the qualifying matches on TV on not TV, social media, and they didn't have a qualifying. They had no qualifying matches. And then they come back to New York. They're coming they came back to New York this past this past Monday for Raw and for the UBS Arena in in New York uh, in Long Island. And they only sold like 5,500 tickets when they had a goal of like over 8,000. Whereas AEW is coming to, to Long Island in uh, this coming Wednesday of, 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 this fall, of this week coming up. And they have a goal of like 11,000 and they have about 8,000 tickets, 9,000 tickets sold. That's good. And <laughs> this, 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 and this made me laugh the other day. I, I, and I had to talk about this. That there are some people in WWE that believe the reason why that the AEW show for the UBS Arena is doing better in ticket sales is because Tony Khan, yes, Tony Khan, the president of the AEW, is buying the tickets. Yeah, it's not because, you know... You ran Survivor Series the week prior and you were already in the New York market and you ran another New York show the following week. Yeah, it's not that. It's not the fact that, you know, your product has been stale for a very long time and Monday Night Raw has been so laughable and so unwatchable for for, 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 for several years now. Yeah, that's not it at all. You know, it's not the fact that, you know, uh, that AEW, sure, it is the hot new thing and people really want to go see it and there's intrigue in the product and, you know, it's, in my opinion, the best wrestling product out there. You know, it's not that at all, not by any means whatsoever. It's because the owner, the owner, the president of the company is buying the fucking tickets. The reports that come out when I read this shit, when WWE are in such utter fucking denial that the reasons as to why AEW are beating them. You know, it's like, oh, you know, everything's fine. There's nothing to worry about. It's just, it, it'll just come and go. And then it shows the, like, oh, Tony Khan is buying all the, is buying all the tickets. Well, you know what? Fucking <laughs> same shit happened with WCW. They, they, apparently there was a thing where, you know, they claimed that Eric Bischoff was buying so many of the tickets and why they were selling out so much. And there's other reasons, other things that, you know, that they said, oh, this, this WCW thing is fine. Blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not the case at all. You know, you have, in my opinion, and I think we've had for quite some time, legitimate competition. Legitimate competition in pro wrestling. Pro wrestling has not been had a boom like this in so long, in over 20 years. Like, Ariel Helwani was, was uh, he was interviewing Becky Lynch, and he said, you know, I wish MMA had the, the boom that, that uh, pro wrestling had right now. And you know what? He's right. Listen, I'm not a big guy on MMA or UFC, and I, I don't really watch the product, and I really don't really care too much for it. I will admit that, I've watched some UFC pay-per-views. I've watched some fights. 
I've seen some stuff here and there. There was I watched the one that was in uh, Jacksonville a few months back earlier this year. I watched it, you know, but I can't tell you who was on that show, any names of any of those people. I can't tell you any of those things. I had a good time watching it, but I can't tell you who was on it, you know. And the same here, argument can be made for wrestling, but at the same time, there's so much to what, and there's star and intrigue in wrestling. Whereas, like, I think the only real main star that MMA still has these days is Conor McGregor. And Conor McGregor, he really doesn't need to be fighting ever again. He 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 has the money. He is a fucking rich man, and he does not need to be fighting. But he chooses to. Probably because Dana White is throwing him a shit ton of more money to keep fighting and to hang on. So that's a big deal when someone like Ariel Hawani, who is in that realm of, of the world of, of sports saying this about wrestling, but he is a wrestling fan at the same time. So it leads you to wonder, like, when is all this going to, when is this all going to, like, blow up in WWE's face? Because to me, it's blown up in their face a bunch. Like, all out this year is when it blew up in their face. CM Punk uh, return, uh, returning to his in- first in-ring match in years, Ruby Soho making her AEW debut, Adam Cole making his AEW debut, Brian Danielson making his AEW debut. Like, it's so much that's been going on, you know? And when I watch AEW, I don't feel insulted by... Uh, I, I don't feel insulted when I watch the product. I enjoy myself. And they're not telling me, oh, this is what this is. And this is what you should think. And uh, we don't care how smart you are or whatever. We've conditioned you to do this. That's what I feel like when I watch WWE television. Because I feel like my insult, my, my intelligence being insulted. When I'm watching AEW Dynamite or Rampage or a pay-per-view, I don't feel that way. I feel in, I'm enjoying what I'm watching. I can get lost in the moment. And I don't have to overanalyze everything. And I can just relax and watch and it's fun i haven't felt true enjoyment like really really great enjoyment from a wwe show in so long like i cover things that go on in wwe once in a while you know still like news stories and all that but i don't actively watch raw i don't actively watch smackdown the main uh wrestling shows i watch are AEW. Because really, that's what I enjoy. That's what I like. If there's something, you know, someone says, hey, I think you should check out this match uh, that happened this past weekend at, at pay, uh, like, let's say Payback or something. Okay, I'll watch it and I'll see if I like it or not. Um, like, I, TakeOver 36, NXT TakeOver 36, were, uh, which to this day, I haven't finished the whole show. The last match I watched on that show was Ilya Dragunov versus Walter. And I'm like, how can anything get better than this? The rematch they've had from last year. How can any match in this card get better than this? There's no fucking way. So I, I, I end up falling asleep afterwards, and I never just, I just never got around to finishing it. And I probably won't finish it. I didn't watch Survivor Series. Why? Because Survivor Series didn't fucking interest me. The whole talking point was a goddamn golden egg that Vince McMahon claims that Vin, that The Rock gave him. That's what you did with all... That's why you release all these people. Because you need to buy a fucking egg. Oh, no. No, no. The Rock gave me an egg. Yeah, you... Whatever. Fucking hell, man. I, I'm going on a tangent here with WWE. Overall, it's... It's just not a good product. And the ass-backwards thinking of things just doesn't make any sense. 
And it goes over to my thoughts. Like guys like, you know, from from earlier in this podcast, I said, you know, guys like, you know, Johnny Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly, like I they, they they probably won't do well in the main roster and they'll just they'll just probably just get jobbed out to whoever they want as the next uh, the next thing, you know. Uh which I just don't see happening. I, I well, I don't see them doing well, unfortunately. And I'm a fan of those guys, but we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully, you know, after this Sunday, they're AEW bound. Speaking of which, let's get into the AEW Dynamite review. Um, we're gonna go over that real quickly, and I'm gonna be going into my NXT War, War Games in my not so great William Regal impression. If is it really War Games if Regal is not shouting War Games at you? Uh, we're gonna get into AEW Dynamite and my thoughts and some of the things that happened this week. Uh, we're gonna go up and down from the show from what happened. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Brian Danielson beat Alan Angels in his hometown, and Brian says that he's the best. If he if Angels is the best that Atlanta's got, then he and he whooped uh, Atlanta's ass. Um, I had kind of missed like the first ten minutes, maybe or so, less than that of of this match. But I heard it wasn't that long to begin with. Um, Jr. is currently not going to be on commentary for quite some time, so they had a bunch of rotating thirds throughout the night in commentary. And Hangman Page was on commentary for uh, Brian Danielson's match. And Tony Schiavone came down to interview Danielson after he beat Alan Angels. Uh, you know, Danielson's talking shit. Hangman comes up, and then he said, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't touch me Although, because Tony Khan said if you did, you'd be suspended. And I'm like, when the hell did that happen? And I'm like, did they announce, did, I'm like, did they announce this last week? Did I miss it? Did they announce it at the start of the show and I missed it? No, apparently they, they just... I don't know. I think Tony Khan just tweeted it out or something. And he probably thought like, well, everybody follows me on Twitter. So, and they're, I mean, well, well, no, Tony, I I didn't see it. But apparently, yes, that's the story they're going with. And John Silver came out to confirm like, no, 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 you can't go and touch him. But I can go touch him. So, it's going to be John Silver versus Brian Danielson next week in Long Island, the UBS Arena. Should be an interesting show. Um, Miro appears to be in purgatory. He says that he had a vision and thanks God for showing him what an asshole he really is. Uh, Miro claims that God pushed him out of heaven while he was looking for love. So he will, he so now he will storm the gates and leave the the floor red with his enemy's blood. I really like this from Miro. Um, uh, We have not seen Miro since full gear since he lost to Brian Danielson, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to be doing next. Um, if we could, uh, who would I like to see Miro get in the ring with next? Let's pull up the AEW roster real quickly. Um, we saw him face Danielson recently. Uh, let's see what we got here. You know, we haven't seen him have a rematch with Sammy. I don't really think we need to see, see him and Sammy have a match again. Um, him and Brian Cage would be nice. We haven't seen Brian Cage in a fucking minute. Uh, you know, Miro, let's see, Brian Cage, like I said, uh, maybe John Silver would be fun. Jungle Boy would be fun. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys here in the roster. Um, I'd say Malachi Black, but they're both heels, so I don't think that would really work all too well. Um, you know, I think Wardlow is due for a babyface push pretty soon, so maybe Wardlow in the near future. But, uh, if I was picking Miro's next opponent, I would probably pick, like, Jungle Boy or John Silver or something like that. It would just be fun to see those two guys in the dynamic of... Of uh, of those of uh, of you know, big man and the smaller guy, you know. Um, next up, 
Uh, CM Punk had a match with Lee Moriarty, and uh, this was a very interesting segment slash match. So MJF came out in a Hanukkah suit, which looked ridiculous. Um, but they really played up on commentary here that CM Punk is taking quite some time to take down Lee Moriarty. You know, MJF had addressed Punk that uh, he said that uh, Punk can't really be the best in the world if he's struggling to beat QT Marshall and uh, you know Lee Mor- and Lee Moriarty. Uh, you know, uh, Tony Schiavone said things like, "You're just the worst type of person." He's like, "He wrestles more than you. You only wrestle like three or four times a year." He's like, "I don't have to. I get my matches done." And he's run what? We're going on almost eleven minutes here. He like I beat people in three to four minutes. And he's struggling to beat Lee Moriarty. So they really are playing up on the fact that Punk uh, it has ring rust. And let's be honest, he does. And that's okay. Look, a lot of people are probably like, oh, CM Punk's not, he's not driving what he should be doing for AEW. Like, listen, the guy has been out of the ring for seven years. Seven years. That does a lot to somebody. All right? Like, even Shawn Michaels, one of the greatest, if not the greatest wrestler of all time, he struggled too. That god-awful crown jewel match. Like, if you're gone for so long and not and not wrestling, it takes its toll on you. Look, say what you want about Undertaker, like a lot of the matches he's had over the years, but at least he wrestled like once or twice a year. CM Punk had not wrestled since 2014. It's okay for him to have ring rust. And they're playing that up in the story. And honestly, I think MJF should be the one to win to in the eventual feud, with, the eventual match with him and CM Punk. I think MJF should win. Which, by the way, I didn't get to talk about that fucking amazing promo segment they had last week. I loved every second of it. That was the only thing I got to see from Dynamite last week. And I absolutely loved it. So, so good. You know, and Punk, uh, MJF kept saying things that he tells Punk... Uh, MJF rather, Punk rather, tells MJF to quit talking and face him tonight. MJF refuses his challenge. And MJF declares that next week he will win the Diamond Ring Battle Royal, as he's had the Diamond Ring Battle Royal for so long, uh, the Diamond Ring for so long, and will be better than Piper the Important, better than Bretton Canada, and better than Punk in Chicago, because they're going to Long Island, his hometown. MJF then says he can hear Punk's dog Larry in the distance and says if he brings that back, that, that mutt backstage again, that he will put Larry to sleep. You know, some typical heel stuff, and then he's like, I'm going to kill your dog. <laughs> which which then Punk came down, wanted to fight MJF, and then uh, security got involved, and, and came Wardlow. And Wardlow came in and squashed a guy named A.C. Adams. Um, the people love Wardlow, man. They really love Wardlow. And honestly, I love Wardlow, too. He's great. I mean, he may not cut a whole lot of promos. And he may not get a whole lot of time on the mic, but one thing, and I was w- listening to the Wrestle Talk podcast review of AEW Dynamite, he's really good at facial features of telling stories. And I first noticed, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, he is, because I first noticed that when MJF was shooting with John Moxley last year for the AEW World Title, when MJF was, re- if you remember, he was beaten down on John Moxley heading into the pay per view with that shot of MJF with the World Title. And if you look closely, while MJF is beating down on John Moxley, Wardlow just stares at the title in bo- in his hands, and he's like, and he like, 
like like he wants it so badly, but he reluctantly gives it to MJF to hit John Moxley in the head with it. So another great example of that was when after Wardlow was done squashing this guy, Sean Spears came in and just whacked him in the head with the with the chair over and over again while he was unconscious on the floor. And Sean Spears soaking it up, and he's loving it, and Wardlow's just like, oh, this fucking guy. With his face, like, really, really great stuff. And I feel like we're going to be, like, I feel like uh, in the near future, sometime next year, Wardlow is going to become a full-on babyface, and he'll distance himself from the pinnacle and MJF, and we'll have a MJF-Wardlow feud. Uh, next came down Adam Cole, and he's supposed to do commentary for a match, And but I absolutely love this. This is one of my favorite parts of the whole show. Like, Adam Cole just flexed how over he is, which is another thing. Who are all these idiots saying that Adam Cole would be buried if he's he's buried that he didn't stay in WWE? Who is saying this? Like, what the fuck? For those of you who may think this, do you not remember the reports saying that they when they wanted to call up Cole, they didn't want him to wrestle, they wanted him to be Keith Lee's manager, and they wanted to shave his head? They didn't want him to wrestle? Adam Cole? One of the best wrestlers in the world? Greatest NXT champion of all time? So, like, he, I, it's amazing. Like, I think because he's not in the main event scene or he's not going after the world title, I'm like, he doesn't have to go after the world title. What they're doing with Adam Cole right now is they're building a long-term story with him and Kenny Omega. That's what's happening right now. You don't have to have him in the world title picture right away. You don't have to have him do that. Down the line, sure, maybe we can have maybe we can have uh, Omega uh, uh, Cole rather. Maybe we can have him face Sammy Guevara, you know, because Cole is on a winning streak right now. He hasn't been defeated in a singles match yet. So that's my point right there. Really wait it out because that's what they're doing with Adam Cole. And right now they're doing Cole and the best friends super click. I like this very much. Cole versus Cassidy. I I love that. I love both of those guys. So Adam Cole comes down to the ring. He does the, you know, does the boom, does the Adam Cole Bebe chant, and then he bows to each side of the ring, points over to the commentary table, walks back up, gets on the on the chair, and you know, um, and Tony Schiavone tries to say this because eh, don't even bother, Shivani. Just just don't even bother. Obviously, because of the relationship between Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone, Adam Cole doesn't like him. Uh, he is, uh, you know, they're just <laughs> the, the tension between them. And the only person he acknowledged was, uh, really was, uh, was Excalibur. He's like, Excalibur, how you doing? He's like, good, Adam. Good to have you here. And the match apparently that he was going to call for was, uh, I believe it was going to be, uh, Wardlow and AC Adams. I believe, I think that's what it was. Um, so, <laughs> the the uh you know Orange Cassidy comes out and you know they kind of have a standoff and then the young bucks sneak from the heel side of the of the entrance and then they turn around and then uh he, Cassidy did the uh, the pocket spot and then he did the his his uh, oh 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 uh, the his super kicks quote unquote you can't see me doing this um so and then you know uh, best friends come to even up the odds because uh. Because the young buck super kicked him, and Adam Cole low blowed him. Um, really enjoying this, you know, just another fun feud for the super click. Uh, I will never get tired of seeing those guys in tag matches. 
Uh, Phoenix is unable to travel. Uh, there's no really so specified why. So it's Pac and Pentagon Jr. versus uh, FTR for Rampage this Friday in a two out of three falls match for the tag titles, uh, which should be fun. Um, if that is the case, can we have the Freebird rule with, with Death Triangle? Can we, please? Because I'd like to see Pac as a as a champion AEW, and I really feel like FTR should kind of move on. FTR and Lucha Bros should move on, and if Lucha Bros are going to stay as the tag team champions, they should move on to another team, personally, what I think. So, just move on to that. Should be fun. Uh, Dan, uh, Darby Allen and Sting beat the Gun Club, um, and what's crazy is Darby Allen just... The he was all over the place in this match, man. That suicide dive he hit onto I think believe it was on Billy Gunn. Like he just shot like a have a fucking cannon and bounced right off of Billy Gunn onto the floor. Like I said on Twitter, like that was the greatest suicide dive I've ever seen Darby Allen hit, just because the impact he had. The guy will do anything and everything to make sure the match looks good, even if that means sacrificing himself a little bit. It was fun. Like I also put out like. Uh, it's it's 2021, and I'm seeing Sting and Billy Gunn wrestle a match. Fucking wild, which it was. It's fucking wild to see these guys, like you know, Sting at like 62 and Billy Gunn at like almost 60, <laughs> wrestling still, or coming back at his wrestling. Uh, Daniel Garcia was and uh, 2.0 jumped Chris Jericho backstage uh, because they were jumping on Eddie Kingston. Uh, this was the way to write him off TV. Uh, for Rampage this Friday because Jericho's in the UK right now. We actually shot last week. Um, one thing I don't get is this whole Dante Martin, Leo Rush, uh, thing where Dante Martin joined Team Taz. Um, I'm thinking that, uh, this is a, this is a swerve for Dante Martin to get in with Team Taz and then, you know, he turns on them because I don't buy Dante Martin as a heel and I sure as hell don't buy Leo Rush as a babyface. Leo Rush is such a great heel and, and Dante Martin is such a natural he has a natural babyface move set. It just it just doesn't work for me. Uh, which I'm, I'm not liking this whatsoever. Uh, Ruby Soho beat Chris Statler in an amazing match this past week on Dynamite for the uh, for the, the going to the quarterfinals uh, semifinals of the TBS tournament. So we have Ruby Soho facing Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill facing Thunder Rosa. Um, a part of me thinks Jade is going to win this. Because they they're just gonna want to put the tra- strap on her. I don't see Nyla winning. Uh, honestly, what they should do is have Rosa and and Soho in the uh, in the finals. They should do that because out of all four of them, they are the two most talented. And for that show in Newark coming up in January, and that's the first show in TBS where they're gonna crown the champion. That's what needs to be done. Like. That match right there, Thunder Rosa versus Ruby Soho, that could main event the show, and that you'd crown your first ever TBS Women's Champion on the show right there. Have a great quality match, and have the you know have it you know, regardless. Like I think Ruby or Thunder Rosa should win. Like a babyface should win this title. I don't think it should be Nyla, and I don't I de- like I don't even think it should be Jade. And honestly, I don't like. I, I mean, <sighs> I don't like Jade Cargill. I think she's doing well for the role that she's in but I'm not like like so like oh like I got like I a huge fan of hers I just don't think this is her time yet I think in time she'll be packed I think she's packaged well but I think she still has a lot to learn in my personal opinion 
we talked about the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Uh, John Silver versus Brian Danielson for next week. Riho versus Jamie Hayter. Uh, we also have uh, Winter is Coming, uh, which will be Wangman Adam Page versus Brian Danielson. The fonts for the H looked like a W. It was very, it was a big fuck up. That will be on uh, December 15th, the day after my birthday. Uh, Danielson versus uh, Hangman Page for the AEW title. Uh, real, and another thing I want to talk about real quickly is the, the backstage segment between Britt Baker, uh, Jamie Hayter, and uh, Rebel. Now, it's clear that there's dissension going on, and I feel like we're building to a Britt Baker versus Jamie Hayter feud um, down the line. And uh, would could this be for the title? Could it not? I don't know, because I really feel like... Because if they're not going to put the title on Thunder Rosa, I still feel like the match to do, and I would say probably at Revolution is Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker because that is the feud people want to see. That's the match people want to see. So I would personally say that's what we do. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, next, let's we're going to get into the the most ridiculous part of AEW is Cody Rhodes versus Andrade Alito in a street fight. This was this this whole this whole match was was I mean, it was a car crash. It was insane. There were some, I would say, I guess some fun spots. Like, we we got to remember here, Cody, this was in Atlanta, Georgia, Cody Rhodes' hometown, and the crowd still booed him. I I put up also on my Twitter page that, uh, you know, I put the caption, Cody, I'm a babyface. Please don't boo me. His hometown. And I put the gif of, boo this man. Boo. It's just, it, it's like, uh, apparently, like, reports are saying that, like, people were mostly cheering him, but the boos were louder. I mean, I don't know, man. To me, from what I saw, the boos outweighed the cheers. Um, and when the match start, like, Jose, the assistant, and, and, Co- and Andrade went after Cody and Arn, but Arn Anderson <laughs> off the stage before Jose could even hit him and Jose had to be like oh are you okay and then pretend to fucking beat up Arn Anderson poor Arn he's fall he's fallen off uh, off of things in the past like th- two to three months poor Arn Anderson <laughs> it was just so funny I was in the middle of texting Sean and I'm just like did Arn Anderson just fall off the fucking stage he's like yep oh man luckily he was okay and it all worked out um you know, there were some things in this match where, like, Andrade was doing everything he could, bless his heart, to try and get Cody over as a babyface and to really boo him, but it just wasn't, they weren't having it. And Andrade, uh, you know, he, he was doing everything he could, but the crowd was not, they didn't want to cheer for Cody. Uh, this has been going on for quite some time, you know. Like, Sean and I speculated that, at the Queen show that for the Malachi Black Cody Rhodes match that uh, that Cody turned heel and then Malachi turned face with a double turn. But no, that's not what happened at all uh, because the crowd was heavily booing Cody in New York. Like we just like it's people don't want to see you as a babyface anymore, dude. They don't they don't want to. And uh, don't get me wrong. I like Cody Rhodes. I'm actually wearing a Cody Rhodes t-shirt right now. I just took a shower a little while ago, and I grabbed the first shirt out of my drawer, and it was the 
The first shirt he came out in AEW, like the skull with the cigar in his mouth. This is Cody. I like that shirt. It's cool. And, and, and I like Cody Rhodes. I, I, I really loved his his work in Bullet Club and in ROH in New Japan. I, I thought that version of Cody is the best version of Cody Rhodes ever of his entire career. But him still trying to be this valiant baby face, is, I don't know what they're doing. I know AEW like to play long-term stories. I don't know if they're trying to go with the eventual You People promo and goes back on his word challenge for the world title. Um, Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But at one point during the match, it looked like Cody's back had been, like, peeled. It was peeling. And Sean said, like, like, Cody's peeling. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is that? And we're like, why does his... And then they say, oh, maybe when they're fighting in the crowd, the garbage did that. You know, did something to his back. Commentary played up on that and they played up on the fact that people are also booing him and it was a mixed reaction so the, the other big thing talking point was that Cody goes under the ring grabs a kendo stick puts it down goes under the ring grabs a shovel sorry grabs a, a sledgehammer puts it down and then grabs a golden shovel now I don't know, man. That is just... I don't know why Cody's going to make so many references to Triple H. I don't. I really, really don't. You know, the throne breaker thing, and now the gold, the sledgehammer to the golden shovel because everyone said, oh, Triple H's golden shovel. And some people were kind of saying, like, you know, like, you know, it's not just Triple H they're comparing to. It's like other people, they were burying him or they're saying that he's, that he's a triple, that it was an, it was a, not necessarily a jab at Triple H, but a jab at the fans who call him the Triple H of, of AEW. I don't know, but it wasn't necessary. Um, and finally, Brandy, uh, Someone comes in a hood and a mask. It's revealed to be Brandy Rhodes. Table set up. She hits the table with lighter fluid. Lights it on fire. And oh my god, the fucking fire from this thing. Cody hits a reverse suplex on Andrade. Onto the table. Andrade barely hit it. Cody's whole fucking back was on fire. And he was still on fire when he was going for the pinfall. And people were booing Brandy, and they're booing Cody. It's like they just Cody Rhodes has all of like the biggest, most ridiculous spots in his matches, and it's kind of become endearing in a lot of ways. And I even texted Sean. I'm just like, if I go through a flaming table, then they'll cheer for me. <laughs> I'm not trying to make it seem like I don't like Cody Rhodes. I do like Cody Rhodes. I just, I, I just think he needs to turn. I, he needs to turn, man. He needs to turn at some point. Something needs to be done because this is not working. Whatever this is, this is not working. Whatever they're doing for Cody Rhodes, I want Cody Rhodes to do well in AEW, and I think he can. Uh, it, it, he has done well. But you have to listen, and you have kind of have to take things one step at a time. It's like you know you you gotta you gotta like you know listen to the crowd, and hopefully this is leading to an eventual match, or eventual turn, and Cody can you know take you know go back in his word, take the take the AEW title and what have you, and maybe maybe Cody Rhodes is the next AEW champion. Maybe he's the one that. Defeats Hangman Page and gets a shit ton of heel heat. Because I feel like him turning could possibly be 
a bigger deal as a heel than MJF right now, which that's saying something. But we'll have to wait and see. To end the podcast this week, we're going to be doing my NXT War Games uh, predictions. Almost a takeover again, and I'm not going to do my William Regal impression. It's getting late by me. Um, first off, we have the Women's War Games of Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Cora Jade, Kaylee Ray, uh, and Kaylee Ray versus Dakota Kai, Toxic Attraction of Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolan, and JC Jane, who are also the women's and women's tag team champions of uh, NXT. Um, not really sure here. Uh, this is like kind of a split thing with the women's division, you know, uh, really the only NXT 2.0 women's, uh, women in the match are Cara Jade, Gigi Dolan, and JC Jane, whereas the rest, and I guess you could say Mandy Rose too, but she's a main roster person. Um, I'm gonna have to, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna say the baby faces in this one, because Gonzalez, Shirai, Cora Jade, Kaylee Ray. Not really sure why. Uh, maybe you can set up a tag match with some with some people in this match, and then maybe you can do uh, Mandy Rose versus you know, Shirai or Kaylee Ray or Raquel Gonzalez. I think originally Zoe Stark was supposed to be in this match, and that's why Kaylee Ray is in here because she is more of a heel. So let's see what happens there. Uh, Cameron Grimes versus Duke Hudson in a hair versus hair match. Um. I really don't know, to be honest. Um, I want to... Cameron Grimes is the babyface in this, and Duke Hudson, he's... I think it's going to be more about building new guys, and I feel like they're probably just going to change Cameron Grimes' character for the sake of doing it. So I'm probably going to go with uh, Cameron Grimes... No, uh, Duke Hudson here to take the win. Uh, Imperium of Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel versus Kyle O'Reilly and Vlog Wagner. Imperium... Too too easy, um, you know. I, I think they're gonna, you know, they're gonna, you know, go on and retain the tag titles, and then O'Reilly will be done with NXT after this weekend. Uh, Roderick Strong, the Cruiserweight Champion, versus Joe Gacy with Hartland in his corner. Uh, just bear in mind that Joe Gacy is two hundred and forty-five pounds, and Roderick Strong is. 200, uh, 200 pounds exactly. Now, you're probably wondering, if you haven't been following NXT 2.0 lately, it's like, why is Joe Gacy a 245-pounder going after the Cruiserweight title? Because Joe Gacy's gimmick is more of a, you know, of a more, making fun of, like, a, a millennial and a, quote, left type of person here in the United States. Um, you know, he's saying, you're shaming me because I can't get a shot at the Cruiserweight Championship. Um... I think Joe Gacy probably could go very far with this gimmick that he has. But for this one, I'm going to go with Roderick Strong for the win. I'm not too confident in this pick at all. But I'm going to say Strong with the win. You know, yeah. And then we have Team Black and Gold versus Team 2.0. Team Black and Gold consisting of the NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa. Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne, and L.A. Knight versus Team 2.0 of Braun Breaker, the NXT North American Champion, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Walker, Tony Dillon, and Tony D'Angelo. Uh, I'm going to say this is 2.0 is going to win because we are for sure phasing out the the old NXT with the new NXT, and I feel like at some point we'll get Braun Breaker to win that championship from Champa. Um... I, I'm just going to, yeah, just say that. 
I'm not really looking all too forward for this Sunday because it's not the NXT that I remember what I'm into. If you're into this whole thing with NXT 2.0, that's all well and fine. But for me, it's just not for me. Um, yeah, if you're going to enjoy War Games this Sunday, go right ahead. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Please be sure to be following us on Twitter at TNAWP and Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Uh, please be sure to give us a five-star review and share with your friends and listen on your favorite podcast app, whether it be uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, uh, wherever you can find podcasts at. Please let us know what you think. Uh, you know, tell about your friends. Uh, let us know what you think. Are you excited for War Games this Sunday? Uh, do you miss the TakeOver name? Do you miss Regal shouting War Games? Because I know I do. Uh, what did you like about, think about AEW this week? Uh, where do you think things are going with all the characters? And how do you think the Long Island show is going to do? Uh, if it will sell out? Well, it's already doing better than WWE for all anyway. So it's already doing better. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you all for listening to this episode of another listening podcast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, uh, it's CJ underscore 1214. And on Instagram at CJ underscore 1290. Three. So that'll do it for this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I have been CJ Palmasano, and I will see you all next time.